Warning, this week's podcast is family-friendly. Parental or guardianal discretion is always advised. But most children will survive listening to this week's story. You are listening to the Literary Comedy Podcast. Stories of comedy, tragedy, and time. Ing. Hello. Welcome to Chapter 5 of A Dragon for George. There are other chapters for other chapters. Listen to those. If you haven't, doing so in order uh, would be especially useful. Or listen to this synopsis. George finds egg. Egg hatches into dragon. Dragon eats shredded wheat, then falls asleep, then stops breathing. Which is where we start Chapter 5. George gently placed the dragon on the pillow beside him. For a moment, he thought it might be playing dead as part of an escape attempt. But when he removed his hand, the dragon remained limp and lifeless. His heart raced. His hand shook. His mind flashed thoughts of Max at the bus stop. George hadn't known what to do then. He'd wanted to help, but had been helpless. So in the weeks after Max died, George had taught himself not to feel so helpless again. He'd read through books of medieval times. He'd trained at swords using metal bars he borrowed from Jack's workshop. And George had also learned emergency first aid. George put his middle and pointer fingers on the dragon's chest where he figured its heart would be. One, two, three, four, five. George counted as he pushed down. He tilted the dragon's head, breathing into its mouth two times. He then pushed down on its chest again. One, two, three, four, five. George repeated this again and again, but the dragon wasn't responding. George, his father said from the hallway, what's going on in there? Nothing, said George, between breaths into the dragon's mouth. Maybe I don't want to know, said his father. But if you're so much better than yesterday, it's time you got down to the stables. I'll be right there, George said, pushing down on the dragon's chest. Come on, Max, George whispered. He breathed into the dragon's mouth again. He again pushed down on its chest. Breathe! George leaned in to give another breath. The dragon belched mucus and saliva into his face. Gross! George laughed, wiping his face with his sleeve. He gently petted the creature. I thought I'd lost you, George thought, but did not say the word again. George wondered what had stopped the dragon from breathing. Maybe you just need food, George said. Maybe it's as simple as that, George sighed, knowing full well that the food question wasn't so simple. He had clues. The dragon had a unique but definitely omnivorous mixture of teeth. It liked shredded wheat, but not very much. The dragon belched and farted. It hadn't particularly liked the refried beans, but maybe it would like a different type of gassy food. Maybe you'll like cabbage, George said. His father knocked on his door. You're needed at the stables. It's time to get going. Go yourself, George said under his breath. What was that? asked his father from the other side of the door. I'll be right there, George said loudly. The dragon barely put up a fight as George placed it back in the bowl. It's for your own safety. It faintly scratched the side of the bowl. A thought struck George, making him pick up the dragon with speed. The dragon took a deep breath once it got free of the bowl. 
confirming George's suspicions. He hadn't left the lid open wide enough. The air in the fishbowl had turned toxic as the night progressed. What a ridiculous and stupid way to almost die. You haven't breathed fire yet, George said as he put a pillow onto the floor and placed the dragon on top of it. I suppose I'll just have to risk it, he thought. He'd been doing that a lot lately. One of these times, it might come back to hurt him. He'd just have to risk that too. Don't run away. You don't have the strength. George walked to his door, turning back when he heard the sound of claws scratching across his floor. He peered under his bed to see the dragon slowly crawling towards him. Stay, George said, holding his palm forward. The dragon slowly lifted its palm in a manner similar to George, and then continued forwards. I'd take you with me in my pocket, George said, but the air's not very good in there. George opened the lower drawer of his bedside table, placing the dragon inside. The drawer was empty and deep. The dragon pushed itself up the side, reaching for the edge, but its outstretched arms simply weren't long enough. It tried flapping its wings, but they simply weren't strong enough. I'll be back soon, George said as he opened the door. Talking to yourself again, said George's father, peering into the room. George nodded, shutting the door behind him. I'll get straight to work. Yes, you will, said his father, crossing his arms with authority. George ran downstairs and out the door. He retrieved hay for the horses and rushed to the stables to feed them. He thought about what Jack had said the day before, about how the horses got gassed from all the roughage in their diet. George thought about how most of the dragon's teeth looked like those that you might find in a horse or a cow. Cows burp methane, George said to Galahad, stroking his snout, which made the horse nuzzle George's face. Methane's very flammable, you know. Oh my goodness, Galahad, yes, that must be it. George took a handful of hay from Galahad's feeder, placing it into a small bucket. He headed back for the house. You're not going anywhere, Jack called from the workshop, where he made adjustments to his electric green-nosed bridle. I need you to clean out the stalls. I should have stayed in bed, George said, bending over as if he were about to be sick. I saw you running around two minutes ago. Jack called. I thought I was better, George said. I rushed back to work too soon. Yeah, right, said Jack, smirking as he moseyed over to George. Millions wouldn't believe you, and I also don't believe you. Jack revealed bits of broken shell from his pocket. I found the egg. That could have been a different egg, said George. Maybe maybe a bird used the empty stall as a nest. No bird around here lays eggs that are leathery and chartreuse, Jack said. What's a chartreuse? asked George. It's a color, you dummy. Jack pushed eggshell into George's face. This color. You stole an expensive toy. You want to skip out of work to go play with it. Okay, sure, it's an expensive toy. Better one of those toys, said George, searching his thoughts. But I really am sick also. I remember said Jack. The air yesterday was toxic. It sure was, said George, thinking of the fishbowl almost killing the dragon. George bent double, looking as ill as he could. I think I might throw up. I think you're bluffing. Do you really want to take that chance? said George, looking up at Jack with one eye. Jack pursed his face, attempting to look defiant rather than grossed out, but George knew better. Jack hated the grosser parts of his job. 
He always left that sort of work for George. George stared at the bucket like he might vomit into it. I'll clean this out if I mess it up. You'll use bleach, Jack said, returning his attention to the bridle in front of him. George maintained his stooped-over shuffle into the house, up the stairs, and to his doorway. But as soon as he'd closed his bedroom door behind him, George clapped his hands together with excitement. Moment of truth, little dragon, George said, offering the creature a single piece of hay. Chomp! The dragon bit into it, voraciously downing the hay that must have been three times its body length. George put two more pieces of hay into the drawer. The dragon greedily consumed them both, wagging its tail. George offered a bunch of hay pieces, and the dragon yanked them out of his hand. Soon it had devoured all the hay. It chirped at George, wagging its tail rapidly. You eat like a horse, George said, in more ways than one. A forked tongue darted from the dragon's lips. It'll be tricky to get more hay. George walked to his door. I only just told Jack that I was sick. The dragon stretched its arms for the edge of the drawer again, but this time, energized, it jumped up and flapped its wings, achieving just enough lift to escape the drawer and climb onto George's bed. Get back into the drawer, George said. Someone might see you. The dragon stretched out its wings, scurried to the edge of the bed, leapt, flapped rapidly, and plummeted to the floor, hitting it with a thud. Are you all right? George said, rushing to the dragon. It held up a claw, palm outward, before climbing back onto the bed. As it stretched out its wings again, George snatched a pillow, placing it on the floor exactly where it had crash-landed. But the dragon glided a little farther this time, overshot the pillow, and hit the floor with another thud. George tried to pick the dragon up, but the creature scurried to the bed, climbing it again. Footsteps ascended, the stairs getting closer and closer. We've got to hide you, George said, trying to pick up the dragon, but it grabbed the duvet, clinging tight. Let go, George yanked, but the dragon spread its wings, overpowering George's grip. George reached for its tail, but it escaped him and ran to the edge of the bed, leapt, flapped its wings, veered to the right, and crashed into George's feet. Ow, George yelped as his father entered the room. What's going on in here? he demanded. It's not what you think, said George. I think you're acting out, said his father. Even though you know how difficult things have been for your mother this last while. George tried to spot the dragon out of the corner of his eye without giving anything away. This was proving rather difficult. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Hmm? George asked, snapping his attention back to his father. What's here? said his father, searching the room. He picked up the fishbowl and the bucket. I needed those in case I threw up, George explained. His father looked suspiciously at the dry chunk of meatloaf and the wheat at the bottom of the bowl. He looked under the bed and in the closet. George's heart beat fast, certain his father would find the dragon at any moment. Something's going on, said his father, looking up at the ceiling. I know there is. You might as well tell me now. I did tell you. I don't feel well. George's voice was earnest, but his eyes darted around the room. A picture of his brother Max looked down at him from the wall. Lying still didn't feel chivalrous to George, but he had to protect the dragon. That was his first priority. But where had the dragon disappeared to? Had it gone back to wherever it came from? You think I wouldn't find this? asked his father. I guess I hoped you wouldn't, said George, certain his father had spotted the dragon. 
What if your mother had seen this, said his father, taking the picture from the wall. I'm sorry, George said, partly relieved. It was thoughtless of me. You bet it was, said his father. George nearly yelped as he felt the dragon's claw dig into the flesh of his left leg. The dragon was climbing, and George was the mountain. I need you back at those stables, said his father, sticking the picture under his arm. The dragon dug another claw deep into George's flesh. George felt warm blood flowing. He grimaced in pain. I know you're not sick, said his father, pushing George out of the room. Now get to work. George walked slowly down the stairs. His jeans were loose enough that his father failed to see the dragon-shaped bulge under his pant leg. This is not to say that no one noticed anything odd. You're limping, George's mother noted as he walked out the front door. Just a cramp, said George, glancing back at her. She turned away from him and back to one of her shows. George limped out the front door and to the stables. When he was certain that he and the dragon were alone with the horses, George whispered, Hold on, and I'll get you some hay. But the dragon was already wriggling out of George's jeans. It flicked its tongue, spotted the hay remaining in Percival's feeder, and climbed towards it, flapping its wings to assist the effort. Percival reared and neighed. You're gonna get us caught or worse, George said, reaching for the dragon who hopped into Percival's feeder, swimming through the hay, chomping as it went. George put his hand into the hay, feeling around for the dragon. Cut ya, George said, pulling the dragon from the hay. I was gonna say the same thing about you, said Hank his shadowy figure entering the stables. Don't worry about the kids' toys, said Jack, directing Hank, Hork, and Thud to the horses. Today, and today only, we have a special rate for groups of three. Show us what you're holding there, said Hank. You guys don't like these toys anyway, said George, pulling the dragon in close to his chest. Excellent point, said Jack, rubbing Galahad's snout. But you will love these horses. We've seen the horses a million times said Hork. But have you ever really seen them? said Jack. Galahad here is a Percheron, the strongest horse you'll ever meet, yet calm as a windless pond. Looks cheap, said Hork. Cheap? Never, said Jack. But today's deal is incredibly affordable. The tail's moving, said Hank, pointing at the dragon. Probably an animatronic, said Thud. I read about those. How'd you get the money for that? asked Hork, grabbing for the dragon. George turned away. He must have stolen it, said Hank. Speaking of which, said Jack, if you act now, you'll get to ride these horses for a steal. Give it, said Hank, grabbing for the dragon. George turned away, but Hank got his arm, yanking hard. The dragon bit Hank and leapt to the ground. Pretty cool toy, said Thud. Toys don't do that, you dummy, Hank said, sucking his hand, bleeding where the dragon had bit him. That's real. Dragons aren't real, said Hort, as if knowing this were some great accomplishment. I saw a documentary on real dragons, said Thud, getting closer to the creature. There's the Komodo dragon, but they don't have wings. But there's also these tiny lizards from Southeast Asia. They've got flaps of skin, but look like wings, and they can glide up to 200 feet. Get away, George said. He tried to push Thud aside, but it was rather like trying to push aside an oak tree. This guy doesn't look like the gliding ones, though, said Thud, unperturbed by George. It's way too big. This is a giant one of those, said George, stepping between Thud and the dragon. That's all. Nothing special. 
There are no giant ones, Thud said, pushing George aside. The documentary stressed that they're all very tiny. Thud gently reached his hand toward the dragon, but the dragon backed away. Hank attempted to stomp on it, but the dragon lunged at his ankle, biting down hard. Hank yelped, lost his balance, and fell to the ground. The dragon scurried out the door. That's twice it bit me, Hank said. You'll have two dragon scars, Thud said. That's pretty cool. I am cool, aren't I? Hank said proudly. George ran outside, his eyes darting around for the creature. He spotted it heading into the workshop. It better not mess up any of my projects, Jack said, running after the thing. It won't, George said, though it was the opposite of what George thought. A real live dragon, Thud said. We should show it to the world. Hmm, said Jack. Now that's not a bad idea. It's nothing, George said, looking all around the workshop. I dressed up an iguana, put some wings on him. You know, because I'm a stupid kid and I still play make-believe. No way, said Hank. Those wings are real. Dragons aren't real, said Hork, spitting onto the floor. Tch! How many times do I have to say that? Jack stared at the spit, disgusted. The customer is always right, he whispered to himself. The customer is always right. The dragon ran under a workbench, where it curled up into a ball, hiding itself beneath its own wings. Fake wings, eh? said Thud. A real dragon, said Jack. We could sell tickets for people to see it. It probably has an owner, said Hork. He'd pay us back big time, said Hank, picking up a small bar of metal. Or she, said Thud. Jack removed a raccoon trap from the wall. We can catch it in this, he said. But any reward money should go back to the stables since we've been housing the creature. Get away, George said. Get that bucket, Hank said to Thud. I'll pin it with this. He pushed the bar toward the dragon. I wouldn't do that if I were you, said George, picking up a metal bar of his own. I won't damage it, said Hank, sucking the blood from his hand. More than it can say about me. Hank thrust his bar toward the dragon. George clanged his bar against Hank's. Those aren't swords, Jack said to George. I've told you too many times. This is quite the gathering, said George's father, leading George's mom into the workshop. George stole someone's pet, said Hank. I rescued it, said George. The dragon hissed at Jack, who stepped away. Quick as a rabbit, it scurried up George's arm, resting on his shoulders, unfolding its wings to make itself look big. It's monstrous, said his mother. It's hideous, said his father. It's potential income, said Jack. It's friendly, said George as the dragon hissed again, but frightened. I'm calling the police, said George's mom. Don't do that, George said. It's a monster, she said, walking away. Max wanted me to find the dragon, George said. George's mom paused. She turned to George, giving him a look filled with fury and pain. She went to speak, but stopped herself. She rushed into the house. George, his father said, you know not to bring him up in her presence. I mean it, George said. Max guided me to the egg. Max helped me save the dragon when it was dying. You're talking nonsense, his father said. That thing is a monster. We must call the proper authorities. They'll know what to do. Will they? said Thud. This seems like a pretty unique situation. Please, George said, approaching his father. It's a good dragon, but we mustn't alarm it or it might, you know, breathe fire. Is that a threat? said his father. 
It wasn't supposed to be, George said, taking a step backward, nearly tripping on the stupid electric Christmas bridal Jack had been working on. We should be nice to the dragon, George said. That's all. His father looked into the dragon's eyes. The dragon flicked its tongue. George's father almost seemed to be softening when the dragon let out a long, loud belch. We need to get rid of that thing, his father said. George's mother returned, saying, The authorities are on their way. They'll capture the animal. And after that? George asked. After that, I expect they'll destroy it, his mother said. How could you? said George. It's dangerous, said his mother. It's for the best, said his father. Did they mention a reward? said Jack. The dragon nuzzled its snout into George's face. This, George figured, was one of those moments that he would remember for a very long time. He wished he could be that future version of him, so that he'd know how it all turned out. But, George thought, future me might wish that he were present me so that he could have another chance to do things right. Six people surrounded George, each of them older than he was, each of them stronger and faster. Soon the police would be here too. All George had was a piece of metal, the stupid bridle that sparked every time Jack hit the on button, and a very small dragon that had never breathed fire. The dragon belched again. It belched like a cow belched. George, being an odd sort, knew that cows belch methane gas. Being a clever sort, this gave him another one of his ideas. Get back, George shouted, picking up the bridle. Let us go free or else. Or else what? asked his father. As the dragon belched, George pressed the button on the bridle, sparking it, sending out a small burst of flame. It wasn't enough to hurt anyone. George didn't want to hurt anyone, but it was enough to surprise people. George wanted to surprise people. He yelled, waving the bridle, running out of the workshop as everyone else stared at him, stunned. George kept yelling as the dragon dug its claws into his neck and wrapped its tail around his shoulder, holding on tight. The moment he stopped yelling, he heard his father running after him. He heard the police sirens wailing. Get back here this instant, his father said, close behind. George ran faster, aided by the thrill of disobedience. Making it to the shed, he quickly grabbed his bike, wrapped the bridle around his shoulders, got on, and pedaled toward the forest as fast as he could go. Thank you for listening to Chapter 5 of A Dragon for George. Please like, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, loved ones, hated ones. Just shout it in the street. And listen again next week. Until then, bless you, keep you, and take good care.